This is the story of how a man was deceived by the world around him, for what he saw in front of him was not how he perceived it, and a looming individual force, captured by forces far beyond his control, took his mind out of several minds, and then put it back in another mind, where it was subject to the context of symbolism. We turn now to China, 1987. A man named Yu Dan Huang has just invested in a large opium mine. This is a mine where they take opium out of the earth. <laughs> it was structured that way by the British long ago. It was said in an individual philosophy by the coherent philosopher Yu Xiaoping that you shall take this opium out of the mind and drink it for yourselves. The populist mu uh, movement failed to arrest anybody and everyone was caught up in their very own dream or fantasy world. We cut now, 1943, Muammar Gaddafi Sr. He had just been duped by the Belgians into giving a large shipment of waffles over to their <laughs> wet nurses and nannies. What he didn't understand was the proliferation of waffles had convinced the Belgians that they too were individuals and could pursue a world beyond their their, their fears of waffle of waffle loss. <laughs> of course, what was then perceived was the, the cocoa, was the cocoa mining, and they would mine for the chocolate for the waffles. I think, right? And what they didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> what they didn't understand was that five years prior. Five years prior, in Holland, the reality of all the fat little Hollandish people was soon to be shattered when the nothing was happening in Holland. Holland was not mentioned. All of my footage is not in Holland. Uh, this part, I'm going to edit this part out. <laughs> I could find no footage of Holland. <laughs> So, nothing happened in Holland that could relate to my thesis. <laughs> well, uh, I can't it's do it. Decline. I can't do much more. You can do it. The, the song ended, Portofino 2. That's <laughs> Portofino 2 by Raymond Scott. And that is featured in many uh, Adam Curtis documentaries. And that's what we're talking about today on House of Decline. He made a eight-hour one this time. Yeah, it's long. Yep. And it's a little, it's a little depressing, a little depressing. Yeah, Adam Curtis, you know, not a, not a super upbeat sort of guy, you know? Mm-mm, mm-mm. He doesn't really have, like, he's not like a, you know how, like, when you listen to Pod Save America, they're mm -hmm. like, things can be done. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, they're very gung-ho. With, with enough, if we just tweak Pell Grants They enough, like tweaking stuff. Yeah. They love to tweak. We're tweaking. We're means testing. We're doing a lot of Adderall. Uh, we're, uh, <laughs> Adderall. Um, Adderall. Invented by a, 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 a weight loss company in the 20s. And they were trying to combine... Where's, that, where's the music? <laughs> they were trying to... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> No, but yeah, Adderall has an Adam Courtesy uh, origin, actually. This is Aphex Twin uh, Blue Calcs, also mm. featured. <laughs> well, yeah. He loves Aphex Twin. Adderall Th that's <laughs> was a combination of the four most powerful amphetamines. First marketed as a weight loss drug. And then to little boys, 
who couldn't stop masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> they were masturbating but in class <laughs> way too much. And so they were but given what Adderall. These, <laughs> what these little boys failed to realize is that in their masturbation fantasies, they had become convinced that they would get big titty juicy milky mamas. And when they couldn't receive those big titty juicy milky mamas, they were left disappointed and unable to organize on a societal level. <laughs> And what then happened, of course, was that the Catholic Church got involved, giving out the Adderall to all the little boys, because, of course, it was a plague upon the priests to see these little boys masturbating all the time. And that's partially the reason of the downfall of the Catholic Church in the uh, late 2000s. (laughs) The priests were convinced that by not fucking the little boys, they could reclaim the image of the Catholic Church. Yeah, he should do yeah, that no, one. He should do the Catholic Church stuff. He didn't mention it at all. <laughs> That's not really his beat. Yeah, I guess not. I mean, who knows, though? He he could put out 45 more hours of documentaries. He has yeah. apparently like 7,000 hours of footage because he got access to like all of the United Kingdom's footage. The Beebs, the Beebs full archives. Like the like the Queen's footage. <laughs> the Queen's got, footage. I've got the Queen's footage. <laughs> you, only, only three filmmakers were allowed to access this footage. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick. He got the John footage Waters. From, he got it from Jason Statham. He's, I'm a yeah. footage driver. <laughs> I drive I sm- footage. I smuggle this footage out of the Queen's cunt. <laughs> she keeps it in a cunt. <laughs> I've got the footage. Here, ah, uh, hold on, I'm got, I've got a call. It's Mr. Assange. Mr. Assange, <laughs> how can I help you? Do you need some footage delivered to the embassy again? Perhaps I've got footage of the army. The army and they're masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> they're chronically uh, masturbating. The Adderall's run out. They've run out of it. <laughs> you can't. God, what would happen if Adderall... <coughs> is that a side effect of Adderall that you don't jack off anymore? Yeah, you can't. <laughs> oh, that's that's ruthless. Yeah, you can't. That's, uh, no wonder why you can focus on your homework. Dude, you your can't hands, jack off anymore. Your hands get cold and clammy. It doesn't work. <laughs> it, do, it doesn't feel like a hand vag anymore. It doesn't feel like a hand hole anymore. <laughs> uh, so, so, Adam Curtis, shall we dig in? Adam Curtis, let's dig in. Let's so dig in. for the uninitiated, who is Adam Curtis, mm. Stephen? No clue. Some British guy who who has all the found footage of the UK in his apartment. That's who Adam Curtis is. Yeah. My description of him is like if a guy who listens to a lot of Aphex Twin one day comes up with a very depressing historical theory. Mm-hmm. And that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he's a spy. Maybe he's a spy. A spy man. Yeah. He's a documentarian. He makes documentaries. Um, He first exploded on the scene in prominence in 2002 with The Century of the Self, which is a documentary largely about Edward Bernays, the uh, godfather of PR uh, and Sigmund Freud's nephew. Wasn't he the nephew, like nephew-in-law? No, I I don't know actually. He was nephew but he was of some he was of some familial relation to Sigmund Freud. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. 
but he used Freud's ideas in uh, in marketing and advertising, which vastly shifted the landscape of marketing and advertising. And the century of the self was significant because his work builds on all of that because it's sort of focused on... He's, he's basically asking one question throughout all his work, which is why do we feel so paralyzed uh, and why do we feel like we can't sort of muster the strength to solve the world's problems in a way that we were, were able to in the past. Um, and a lot of his theories sort of boil down to this misplaced or toxic culture of individualism, yeah. not individualism in and of itself, but rather a misapplied individualism mm -hmm. that infects people and makes them complacent. I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that he gives, but I think that's the number one is he centers... Uh, history not like on a focus of neoliberalism versus communism, but rather more on ideological differences between uh, individualism and collectivism as a whole, as just abstract ideologies, mm -hmm. and how just those abstract ideologies manifested in political regimes like communism or neoliberalism. His, but yeah, throughout these entire... I don't think I heard the word neoliberalism once mm -hmm. in this entire documentary, which is interesting because he's talking about it the entire time. But I, I think he consciously avoids that word too because it's... It's a um, buzzword. Yeah, yeah, it is a buzzword. It's a buzzword. It has, it has all sorts of fixed meanings, yeah. But yeah, the sort of... The, the effect... So... He made a lot of great movies. He made the the Power of Nightmares, which is about terrorism, and he made Bitter Lake, which is that's also about terrorism. Mm -hmm. uh, he made a lot of terrorism movies because it was Bush. It was very relevant at the time. Um, yeah, he loves terrorism. The last big hit was Hypernormalization, which is sort of where he first had this broad, overarching historical theory of the 20th century where he says that this sort of toxic individualism has left us navel-gazing and infantilized and unable to uh, get over these seemingly insurmountable problems, whether it be climate change or wealth inequality uh, or anything like that, or police brutality. Because we live you know, in and, a dream world. Yeah. We live in a dream world. We live in a fantasy world. That is, uh, that is able to uh, subsume our attempts to escape it and then, you know, commodify it and sell it back to us in a strange form. That, so we're kept, we're kept mired in the illusion of our own freedom. He also gets into a lot of theories of psychology in, yes. uh, in his most recent um, documentary series. Yeah. called Can't Get You Out of My Head. Did we already say called that? Called Can't Get You Out of My Head. Can't get you, you. Can't get you, the individual, out of your own head. Almost pointedly, he does not use the Kylie Minogue song in the movie. He does repeat not Kylie. use. He's not yeah. talking about the Kylie Minogue song because she's awesome, that song is awesome, and everyone loves her, and may Kylie she live Minogue. forever. May she live forever. Yeah. Yeah. Kylie Minogue. We love Kylie. <laughs> we love Kylie Minogue. We love Kylie Minogue um, here on the podcast. Oh, yeah, on the keist. We're going to get on the keist. <laughs> we're going to get it on the keist. The podcast. Yeah, Adam Curtis <laughs> loves Kylie Minogue on the keist. Uh, he didn't include it in the... in. He ripped her off 
<laughs> and Australia is suing Adam Curtis. The nation, yeah, the nation of Australia is going to sue you. Yeah. Dude, Adam they're crazy. Versus Australia. Australia is, in, is crazy right now. They're arresting people for uh, Facebook stuff. Have you seen, oh, no. have you seen that? It's, they're like arresting conspiracy people who are on Facebook posting crazy conspiracies. Man, Australian QAnon must be mm-hmm. intense. They're like, yeah, oh. I mean, mm. the pedophiles. we got to get the pedophiles. All right, mates. <laughs> Poider, I saw you fuck a 13-year-old last week. Fuck. Yeah, but it's bad when they do it. <laughs> um, so can't get you out of my head. Uh, not the Kylie Minogue song. The new eight-hour Adam Curtis six-part special that basically it expounds in lots of detail on the theory from hypernormalization. It has the same thesis from hypernormalization, but a lot more examples and a lot more just crazy historical stories. Mm -hmm. And the joy of an Adam Curtis documentary, too, is that you don't even need to agree with his, like, political thesis or his concepts of psychology because it's just a, a... a great, wonderful assemblage of footage when all put together that, that he, right. you know, weaves masterfully into his his propagandistic narrative. But it, it's still, yeah, he's just good at, like, finding crazy interesting footage and, and good matching music. it very appropriately to great music. And, and which he is, pulls yeah. at your heartstrings and your emotions in this way, mm-hmm. which is a little bit weird because I feel like he's doing a form of... Um, a, emotional priming for his yeah which he kind of also debunks Mm -hmm. as a psychological tool social priming Mm -hmm. at the end which i thought was very interesting because he's using psychological tools and emotional manipulation himself so for him to talk about manipulation it's like takes one no one buddy yeah but uh yeah that's the that's the thing of adam curtis he's his century of self you know, it's it's a propaganda piece about propaganda pieces. You know, that's that's the gag. I don't like and, that very much. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like his movies a lot, but I don't like that mm-hmm. part. Well, th- that's but that's part of an Adam Curtis movie. Is he makes very strident proclamations about history, like like as if he can see into the mind. And that's when Gaddafi thought mm-hmm. that you don't know that you don't know what Gaddafi fucking thought, Adam Curtis. But he'll he'll write it like that because. One, it's, you know, uh, it's not good for the narrative. It's clunky in the narrative if you have to explain the historiography of every line. Uh, so that's why he'll he'll make those strident things. And that's why his movies are compelling. Because if you have to explain, at, multiple sources are, you know, uh, you know, they're out to one says this. And one's, if you have to be sort of egalitarian about that. You aren't actually uh, compelling the audience and creating that nice story, that nice. And you know he, he. That's that's his catchphrase too. Like at the beginning of each movie, he'll say, "This is a story about power," or "This is a story about manipulation," or "This is a story about two men." You know, mm. he's he's consciously telling you at the beginning of all of his movies that they're pieces of somewhat fiction. That are assembled by to to meet the thesis of this depressed Aphex Twin loving British man. <laughs> oh, oh, eggs for dinner again, Adam. I really wish I hadn't been divorced twice. 
Is that, <laughs> has he? I don't know. He probably. He, I don't think he's been divorced. I think he's one of those guys that if married? he is married, he seems like he's probably happily married. We got to find that I, out. We got to find I that imagine out. imagine he has a very boring relationship with if his we, wife. If we or, did the podcast. Or husband. I don't know. He could be gay. I don't know. If we did the podcast on Twitch uh, live, we could have a chat yeah. that could look stuff up for us. Yeah. yeah. Get the chat on it. Is Adam Curtis happily married? I bet he is. Chat, look that up. I bet he's got a wife that he loves. Um, well, yeah, I've been watching uh, Twitch. Do you watch it? Do you watch Twitch? I, wa- I watch Twitch. I'll watch some Twitch sometimes. You watch some Twitch. I'll watch, uh, I watch Tomb Room, which is Griffin, who's been on the pod. Griffin and Lux. Lux sometimes appears. I'll, I'll tune into their show. They got a good show. They had, uh, CTU activist Kenzo Shibata on. Really? Wow. What, yeah. a, what a cool guest for them to get. He's a good guest. Uh, Adam Curtis. He's a, he's a cool guy. He's got a have you it's so fucking fucked. We're taking what a pause. they're making what's that? Teachers do in Chicago. Why? I what mean what they they're doing? making teachers do ever. Just they, making them go back to school. Making them do weird stuff. Oh no, go back to school. <laughs> school sucks, man. That sucks. Yeah, school sucks. <laughs> but also getting the plague at school really sucks. Yeah. They say the new variant's worse in every way. Mm. <laughs> it's worse in every way. Oh my god! I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Oh my god, fellas, it's worse in every way. Doctor, anything about is it worse in every way? (laughs) It's worse in every. That's that's the one thing you don't want to (laughs) hear. Yeah, when the doctor doctor. comes in. Well, it's uh, frankly worse in every single way. (laughs) (laughs) How's the cancer, doc? It's worse in every way. Um, And uh, speaking of worse in every way, that's uh, Adam Curtis's view of history. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I guess he is kind of, kind of down on history. Although good things have happened. I mean, um, just think about the guitarist from U2. That was a great <laughs> moment in history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm edging all the time, <laughs> dude. He's amazing, and that's not mentioned at all. So frankly, I was offended. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder what Adam Curtis thinks of U2. I wonder. I uh, wonder what he thinks of Bono. I think he probably would say it's bollocks. It's a twat. <laughs> Bono's a twat. I probably, he'd probably just say that Bono represents that's the fantasy world of charity, where y- you could become a savior from the privacy of your own home. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he'd he'd have some sort of pithy critique of Bono's uh, image of a white savior. Well, he does talk about, so we can tie this in, uh, is it Bob Geldof? Yeah, that's a fascinating sequence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's this sequence in um, Can't Get You Out of My Head where Bob Geldof learns that all of the Live Aid money is being used by the uh, evil dictator of Ethiopia at the time. I forget his name. Uh, but it was basically being used as a bargaining piece in a civil war where he was forcibly getting people to go to internment camps and starve them out. Um, and the line that I remember from the movie is that uh, Live Aid was a great success. It estimate, it's estimated that it prevented the casualties of the famine by half. But Amnesty International also estimates that the casualties caused by the aid <laughs> were increased were... also by the same amount. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It was, yeah. Oh, my God. And so 
And, yeah, and then I think he goes on of, to say, and it's like it's it's debatable. No, he w- he didn't say it's debatable if there, anyone would have died at all. But that if yeah. they weren't for Live Aid, but that would have been funny. Yeah, like, and that that is used as an example of a you know part of a greater argument where he's talking about various attempts to get around the old structures of power mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, we can do it by ourselves and we can, you know, become a united nation of people uh, all across the globe if we just, you know, forego our government and do it ourselves. But then once you do that, you know, you realize uh, you don't actually have the same bargaining power as the government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bob Geldof doesn't actually have clout, you know. Because mm-hmm. Bob Geldof can't nuke Ethiopia. <laughs> so he does also bring up the idea and the question, which is why have so many um, so many attempts to improve things via revolution or taking power away? Why have they all failed? And he provides one answer, which is complexity theory, which was developed uh, by a scientist named Murray Gell-Mann. Uh, and I don't know much about it. Do you m- know much about complexity theory? I don't know much about complexity theory, but I guess the idea was that um, st- structures like Maoism were just based on this very simplistic understanding of you know, desire and what people wanted and how people would operate under certain condition- conditions. Mm-hmm. And that is what sort of thwarted it because it didn't anticipate the many ways that people would react to this type of stimulus. And sort of that's what the complexity theory is. Uh, that's what it's about, is that you can't come up with these holistic totalitarian political systems because you can't account for everything mm-hmm. in this way. Yeah. So you can't make predictions about even closed systems sometimes on yeah. the long term. But, yeah, he also balks at the opposite of that, which is, you know, the the state of neoliberalism was or the state of laissez-faire market capitalism was just the idea that, oh, we should just dive in. We should let the complexity rule over us. That's what the market represents, you know, is this is the <laughs> finest implementation, this fine, the finest um image of these complex forces Complexity? but then you know corporations just take over and From they're the ones that <laughs> exert <laughs> control australian saying com- complexity Com- complexity oh. complexity my <laughs> complexity no, do stuff. my is complexity now the, the, so the, we'd be in new zealand it's saying complexity 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 <laughs> complexity australians would be like complexity really oh. Australians always sound like they're choking on a dick. You get more Australian tourists in Toronto. I bet you bet you probably get more than I do in We get a lot of Irish. A lot of Irish in Toronto. Irish? That's weird. A lot of of goddamn Irish. You know they used to be in an alliance with Spain? The Irish? Yeah. I feel like Ireland is getting getting the major benefit from that. Um, you know, yeah, they they'll send were. Ireland's many ships. So, they send Ireland's big naval prisons. Yeah, I just finished my book about the 16th century, and at the close of it, the Spain Spain sends the Armada to try to defeat Britain, and they're allied with Ireland at the time. And nice. um, the book is like, if if Spain had been successful, it's possible the United States would have been just like a Spanish Irish project. <laughs> 
Okay. Soledad O'Brien. Yeah, there you go. Very funny. So it's a very yeah. funny alternate history of the uh, United States filled, just colonized only by Catholic, Spanish, and Irish people. Uh, it would be, we would have gotten Biden 40 years sooner. Uh, <laughs> as like a king of some kind. King Biden. King Biden is. Now, let me hear it. Tell you a proclamation. I'm, I'm doing prima nocta. You know, back in the day, my friend Skip said that prima nocta was fine. Uh, back in the day. Oh, back in the, oh, the roaring 50s. Back in the, uh, back in the, back in the 1910s. Back in the depression. I, I don't know. No, when was Biden the, He's born? a creature of the 50s, Biden. He's a child of the 50s. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, right? He's like... he's Yeah, he's his, he's like the Beatles. He like, grew up in the same culture that the Beatles like grew up in. Like the late 50s, though. Not the early 50s. No, I think it was the early 50s. No, I think was, he was, you know... No. Because he was, he was a... No, because he was like a lifeguard. He was a teenage lifeguard when there were doo-wop groups and such. Well... If he was born in the 30s, I mean, I think, you know? he, I think he was born in the 40s, is what I'm saying. Was he born in the 40s? Yeah, I think he was born in, like, 41. Okay. 40 but or still 41. the 50s. Still, yes. he would have been, like, you know, yes. with the doo-wop groups. Oh, definitely. Definitely mm-hmm. hanging down at the at the, uh, at the soda, the soda fountain yeah, place. Yeah, the soda jerk. With the pharmacy slash soda fountain slash buy cigarettes and alcohol there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slash buy heroin there. Uh, yeah, listen to jazz. Yeah, they have this hot new thing called Valium. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, and that's what he talks about Valium. So that's another thing in the Adam Curtis documentary. He talks about the Sackler family a lot, and how the Sackler family overprescribed Val uh, were instrumental in the overscription overprescription of Valium to suburban wives in the in the sixties, which eventually <laughs> came to a head when Betty Ford said that. Yeah, I was just straight up losing time. I was doing so much Valium yeah. that I, I would just but Adam Curtis was like black out for periods of time. But people only started to notice when the men started to take it too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but then he directly links that because the Sackler family also, also yeah. did OxyContin, which is much worse than Valium. <laughs> yeah, it is much more deadly. Hard to get, man. Hard to get it. Yeah. Hard to get it now, um, but they Can't were. Do Roxy's they were. Yeah, they, he says that um, like uh, union workers would go to their doctors, and the doctors would like preemptively prescribe them. Yeah. Pain medicine. <laughs> She's like, here you go. They. You'll need there's this. lots of example of doctors getting kickbacks to prescribe pain meds to, uh, to laid off to to just uh, these people that would have otherwise been working in factories. Yeah, they want to keep us medicated and in our houses. Yeah. And, and but uh, that's I'm fine, linked to I'm, and I'm fine with it. Cuz that's But it's a, <laughs> that's what's also cool about Adam Curtis because he links that directly because on the other side of the on the other side of the world, we saw in China. Uh he tells all of these parallel narratives and links them together and that Overprescription of OxyContin is directly linked to the other story he's telling of Deng Xiaoping uh, murdering uh, Mao's wife, well, uh, he, Zhang he, Qing. He didn't make the connection that I thought he was going to go for, which is that now fentanyl is made in China. Oh, and, that's, that's fun. And that's that's a good connection. Yeah, and they're doing the reverse opium war because he brings up the opium war and 
now they're doing it to us. Um, yeah, he brings up what which one were we talking about? Mao's wife or Deng Xiaoping? Both. Well, because Deng Xiaoping e- executes right Jiang uh, Xing, which uh, we get, of course, famous '80s post-punk band Gang of Four from. Yes. So that we have Mao to thank for. Uh, Gang of Four featured in the movie, yeah, in, in the, the movie. documentary. They're Natural's not, that great. not it. Gang of Four, I would say, I give actually three stars out of four. <laughs> Gang of Four is pretty good. They're okay. I, I would give. I would give. I yeah, not out of if we're if it's a scale out of four, I, I would give three and a half. Oh. But they're not a perfect for me. Okay. But are they are they political dance punk? Do they deliver what they promise? Yes. Yeah, they're kind of like the Arctic Monkeys. Of the post-punk, and plus you can—they're one of the bands that you can do white people dancing to, where it's like all angular and jerky, <laughs> like the Peanuts characters. <laughs> yeah, like the Peanut, or Elaine from Seinfeld. Right. Yeah, it's like the, all white people dance like Elaine from Seinfeld, yeah. including me. Like that little—I mean, except for those, you know, not those. Puppet, so you think you can dance, people? That little like British puppet and that he shows in the dock that's dancing like this. Remember the? Y- yeah, yeah, sure. I don't know the Adam Curtis part. About. No, he shows when he's talking about British building nationalism. Uh, Britain. Oh yeah, you're right. There's an old guy who's like has this shitty puppet that's doing the, the step dance. And you're like, oh, that's <laughs> how we used to do it down back at the pub, back at the pub in 1905, mm-hmm. back before the wars. Yeah, which is that's fun. Building British nationalism is fun. There's all the European countries had to variously, like. Hold, like pull back or let go the the powers of nationalism in their countries so it's uh yeah it's scary to see it come back but what can you do mm-hmm. uh, what can you do new world order i don't think so <laughs> hmm. you, you people should definitely watch hypernormalization before they watch this movie because hypernormalization lays this out especially because it shows the last time that Adam Curtis believes that there was any sort of mass belief that the world's problems could be changed were the 60s, the hippie 60s. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, but the problem with the hippies is that what he identifies as that toxic individualism. Well, he does identify the, the Internet utopians believe that they can change mm-hmm. the world briefly. Yeah, but that's those two guys. In hypernormalization, he talks about how internet utopians directly mm-hmm. came out of the hippie movement, yes. and uh, how one of the big guys was like a Grateful Dead uh, uh, historian and shit like that, <laughs> and eventually went on to be one of those, you know, we will be free to be ourselves, internet libertarian types of dudes. Yeah, like in the Web 1.0 crypto voxel space, we will be free to be who you are when we all live like that it was so great the big computers big the mm-hmm. big hot computers yeah hmm. magical time the early 90s mm-hmm. filled with horror. you can't convince me that's where adam <laughs> curtis lives that's why he's so mad all the time yeah just lives in a big hot computer just li- he's <laughs> 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 yeah. very sweaty it's very 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 uncomfortable in here all i have is footage yeah that's the precondition for getting the queen's footage is he has to live in the big computer yeah oh uh, man i i would really like adam curtis to go up uh, up against like a himbo i would really like who like does charity work for like charities that are bad but doesn't know it and like believes they're doing a really good job 
I wonder how we would treat him. <laughs> I would love. Like I wonder. Yeah, I would love the Truman Show, Adam Curtis. Just like like we should like I mean I don't know I don't want to encourage anyone to stalk him but it, that would also be funny. <laughs> you know, just like pretend to be a CIA person. Yeah, just make him very paranoid. Yeah, hey, uh, life life is the alternate reality game of your making. Uh, yeah. We're going to punk Adam Curtis by... <laughs> we're going to do a special Adam Curtis punked where yeah. we make him feel that he's being monitored all the time and that his family's in danger. Right. <laughs> That's a good punked. Uh, well, there was a YouTuber who recently was pranking someone and he got shot and died. Did you see that? That's very funny. Sad. He was pranking, what, is, pranking doing a prank robbery. And the person he was prank robbing had a gun. So he died. Did they post the video posthumously? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Posting. Okay, you always you post. Gotta, always post. Gotta get, you know gotta the go, rules. It goes to the families now. You know the rules of the internet and in our, in mm-hmm. our generation. You always post. You post through it. You don't stop posting. You go private if you have to, but you don't stop mm-hmm. posting. Like, what, are gonna, what am I going to do? Stop <laughs> posting on social media? I'm not going to stop posting. <laughs> I'm gonna stop. Never stop posting, dude. I'd rather stop posting. (laughs) Never stop posting, you guys. You guys, if you stop posting, I'll die. I'm the fairy of the internet, and I need you to post. Post with both hands so that I'll stay alive. Mm, The fairy of the internet subsists off of drama. Yeah. Uh, and I need suspicion. people from the DSA to argue on the internet for me about about materialism versus anti-materialism. That's what fuels my testicles. Yeah, whatever gets people the angriest. Yeah, is, whatever, uh, which is apparently I don't know. And this is what the, gets this is angry. a theory in the show, which is that the social media companies play upon high emotional uh, topics and that they encourage that they promote them. And they categorize mm-hmm. posts based on whether or not they fit a rubric of high emotional emotionality, and then promote those more than ones that don't. And they um, then, you know, have actually Facebook has run experiments on people's emotions right. to try to manipulate them and make them happy, sad, angry, or joyful. I think I don't know. <laughs> I can do that. I don't need to be Facebook to technology. Hey, Steven. You're cool. There, you're happy. We've pro- hey, Steven, yeah. fuck you. You're sad <laughs> We've now. proved that a human will feel sad if you show it shocking things. <laughs> I like the I like a whole outrage clicks. This lady says that abortion is a fart. Mm. Are you gonna Are you gonna stand for that? What are you gonna do? Click 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 click. Yeah. I don't think abortion is a fart. Yeah. What is the context of the lady saying abortion is a fart? Does he? I don't remember. Does he go into whether or not he thinks advertising actually works ever? Yeah, I think in the century of the self, he he more or less makes it clear that there's at least some version of advertising that works. Hmm. And I think that's been a premise. I I think you know, advertising works mysteriously. I I think what Adam Curtis would say it works, but it doesn't usually work in the way that people intend it to work. Hmm. 
Yeah. Um, sometimes people can buy a product, and sometimes, you know, something else can happen. <laughs> something mysterious can happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. out of this world. Something a little out of the ordinary. You might, mm. you might find Wonka's ticket. You might find Wonka's ticket. That's the dream of consuming, right? But what Willy Wonka didn't know was that halfway <laughs> around the world... Another chocolatier, Nestle, was buying up chocolate reserves no, in the it, Congo. It's Slugworth. Putting him out of business. It's Slugworth, not Nestle. No. Which one? Slugworth. Yeah, but I'm I'm imagining the Adam Curtis Willy Wonka world where Nestle actually does exist no. and, you know, just hypernormalizes its way into the magical world. I, I, I categorically disagree, and I think that if you are in Adam Curtis Willy Wonka world... Willy Wonka will still have the classic Willy Wonka villain uh, competitors, which he has two of. Slugworth and I think, I don't know, Penny Whistle? I don't remember. No, I don't fucking, fucking, why do you, do you like Roald Dahl? Yes. Are you some sort of oh, doll, yes. doll head? <laughs> yes, I'm a big Roald Dahl fan. Number one. You're a real doll guy. You like racist children's author, racist misogynistic children's author Roald Dahl. <laughs> You can't... And who does magical Mr. Wonka use as his assistants? Oh, a bunch of tiny blacks. You can't get mad at me for liking Roald Dahl. Screw you. I'm not going to get mad at you for liking Roald Dahl. It's not my fault he's racist. I think it's funny. I mean, he's a weird guy. He's not clear the Oompa Loompas are any particular race when you're young, okay? (laughs) You don't know about pygmies. You don't know about colonization. You don't know any about that stuff. And and it's and it's fine. <laughs> Willy Wonka is not canceled. The Oompa Loompas are also the ch- insanely green-haired weirdos that love to make candy, and they don't Will- like Will- money or freedom. <laughs> fellas, fellas, you've heard of Jokeified? Time to get Wonkified. We gotta become Wonkas. We don't want rights at all. We. <laughs> their, you know their song, their classic song. Yeah, we love having a leader who's different. <laughs> See, the Oompa Loompas had a real sense of collectivism. Right. They wouldn't let individuality, you know, supplant their ability to. Well, that would be a great a sequel to write. Would be the Oompa Loompa Revolution because <laughs> that's just fun mm. to say, and it would be hilarious. Yeah, they 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 execute the 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 Mao. Oh, yeah. the Oompa oh, yeah. Loompa Mao. There's an Oompa Loompa Mao. Willy Wonka. Yeah. Saying that he is a colonialism, and then Oompa Loompa Jiangxing, eventually, you know, they they reject <laughs> communism at first. I I would, you know, uh, speak. Uh, what's very Adam Curtis is we talk about it all the time because you live in Ann Arbor. Sorry to dox you, Shit. which is Zingamans. Yeah, Zingamans because they were an anarchist food co-op well, that eventually became ultra capitalist. I don't know how true that is. I try to look that up. And it's yeah. They're not like they weren't like hardcore anarchists or anything. No, they weren't hardcore anarchists, I but they they, they were had like more like profit sharing. More. Yeah, they were a co-op like Ocean Spray. Yeah, I or think they were like a co-op. That, but at the beginning, it was still a company that prided itself on like a non-brutal form of capitalism that eventually just became the thing. Well, a lot of that, insurance companies were like that actually back in the day. Like that's interesting aspect is that a lot of insurance companies were pretty active socially speaking. If you remember, did you watch the um, big documentary on country music by Ken Burns? 
Uh, no, I didn't. He talks about how one uh, uh, a insurance company set up basically the Grand Old Opry. Interesting. And that radio show as a way of promoting insurance. <laughs> yeah. And that's like kind of a good thing you do for the society because they had they invested in a giant radio tower and a building and held the Grand Old Opry in there every night and broadcast yeah. it to millions of people. And then in the middle, we're like, buy our insurance it's in case uh, probably some something racist and your car is burned. Yeah. But that's just because, you know, insurance takes the place in America of a real social safety net. Yes. Uh, th- insurance, what most of insurance does is, you know, things that the government should really be doing. And insurance only really works with capitalism or else yeah. it's basically you could you don't have to call it insurance otherwise you can just be like yeah. that's the government doing it for me yeah but inter- i you know i had a brief foray into working in insurance um and at the time i was like I, I wonder how they implemented car insurance in china and i found a whole big long paper pdf of like how exactly car insurance was implemented in china and it was implemented en masse on at a national scale in the 70s all at once so they went from having no car insurance at all. <laughs> so everybody has to buy car insurance from the government. And it was crazy. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yang, I hit your truck. Too bad. <laughs> but it was trying, they tried, it was, a you know, trying to get rid of the corruption because otherwise it was corrupt. But naturally, is now, that probably has all become extremely corrupt. Um. <laughs> Changqing tried to implement car insurance, <laughs> but what she couldn't have known is that complexity theory says that it is all very. <laughs> yeah, they had like uh, they had elaborate operas uh, celebrating car insurance, and it's just like the like the red star of China, a thousand like women with flowers making the red star of China, and slowly shifts to a car insurance commercial. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they had to make grand operas to convince the people. Man. Man, did you know that the Shen Yun opera is like a secret Falun Gong thing? No, I did not know. What is that opera? You know Shen Yun? You see posters for Shen Yun everywhere uh, in like no. every city? No, I don't. I don't live in a city that has those kinds of posters. I guess you wouldn't. I guess you wouldn't. But we Shen don't stand Yun for is those kinds traveling. of posters here. No, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, it, if it's this traveling... Um, uh, it's this traveling Chinese showcase of dancers and music and gymnastics and acrobatics, and uh, it's a uh, front for the Falun Gong, hmm. which is also the Falun Gong is an interesting thing because yes, they are, they do have their organs harvested, but it is a cult and it's also very bad. So no one, no one is good here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't and like. They were very. I don't understand the Falun Gong, um, and it scares me. It's founded on it's founded on the primacy of their leader Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yep. It's yeah. the Fallon Gong. Fallon Gong is we could I mean it's the Fallon Gang, you know. Yeah. <laughs> man, I wish they would harvest Jimmy Fallon's organs. Oh man, I found. Did you when we were preparing? Uh, this is a little behind the scenes. We were preparing for last week's episode. Uh, for Alex's Mitt Romney impression, we watched Jimmy Fallon interview Mitt Romney by pretending to be him in the mirror. And they had an elaborate sketch where Mitt Romney sat face to face with Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon miming every moment and everything that he says. 
in a in a 2014 interview that was like was it 2014 or 2012 man i think it was i think it was i don't remember Ah, I got to look up the year. That's important. But it's, you know, another one of these late night Jimmy's interviewing uh, a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah, laundering the image of Republicans, you know, trying to have. I mean, John Stewart for years laundered the image of John McCain. Let's not forget that John Stewart was actually sort of responsible for uh, entertaining John McCain's media savvy for a while and yeah. painting him as less monstrous than he actually was. I'd like to see Adam Curtis cover John Stewart and Stephen Colbert's march for the restoration of sanity slash whatever yeah. the fuck it was else. Yeah, talk about living in a fantasy land. Talk about living in a navel-gazing individualistic <laughs> world where you have no conception of how to change anything. So... <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Idiots. It's true though. Oh, it's like, hindsight's hindsight's twenty twenty. At the time, at the time, I liked uh, both them both, and uh, I I would argue that Colbert was great. Like the old Stephen Colbert character was uh, an integral, wonderful piece of political satire that still holds up. And now Colbert is like one of these just crying late night guys. It did. It it's did really sad. kind of uh, allow for the right to respond with other insane rallies. Like that was an insane rally. Like to make it a political rally instead of just a comedy concert. Yeah. I mean, basically, was it's a comedy it an insane concert. rally? Was there a response to it? I remember the response oh, to it yeah, being sort I of should, like a wet fart. I should choose my words more carefully. It's not. It wasn't an insane. They didn't storm. No storming. Nothing yeah. was stormed. There was no tear gas. I don't think. John Stewart incited the raid on the Capitol. It was uh, <laughs> it's what more like just unhinged in that, in that they there were no demands, right? There wasn't. It wasn't about yeah. anything. It was about two fictional characters, two characters, two showbiz characters, really. Yeah, it was about non-specific grievance, which is that's the main animating thing that animates all of this right-wing fervor is non-specific grievance. The idea that something is wrong, we don't know what it is, but we know that it's wrong. You know, he that's that's the language that Adam Curtis even talks mm. about with Valium is that. These women who were taking Valium in the 60s didn't know what was wrong. They just had this profound feeling that something was wrong yeah. because, you know, they couldn't diagnose. And, you know, but their the, brains wouldn't allow them to tell themselves that, oh, you, my suburban existence is what's that's making a, me unhappy. That's a critique I have of Adam Curtis he, right here on that issue because that's something that he sort of introduces as like an unsolvable problem when if I think we just make all those neighborhoods more walkable – you can pretty much solve that problem. And yeah, more convenience stores. Just make it more, walkable. More grocery stores. Just make yeah. make neighborhoods walkable so that you can walk yeah. to things. Like you don't have to – you have mixed, mixed uh, businesses in there. Put a fucking grocery store in there and you can I, walk I mean, to it. I mean, it's like it's, – there's this weird paradox when people – have less freedom in terms of their housing and property they weirdly have more solidarity with their neighbors in their community like when people are like freehold landowners they go into their little shangri-la sealed off castle and they don't really have a relationship with their neighbors except to complain about them for their lawn not meeting the standard of the other lawns or something yeah, like dude, that it's getting worse too because everyone is 
not leaving their homes, their castles, and just getting takeout and delivered groceries. So people have really retreated. But when you live in an apartment building and you rent, and you don't actually have any stake in your property, weirdly, you care about your community more because you're all in the same boat. And you all have an incentive to make everyone else's lives better. You all have an incentive to make the apartment... Uh, management better. Yeah. Well, we, hell, we should all live in the same fucking room then. <laughs> well, it, but it's the thing is where where early early communist societies in America, early communist thought in America, is centered around company towns, because the workers would just go to the factory all day and then they would go home where they all hung out with each other, and they would just you know have a real actual relationship to their work and community, which is how those ideas started to develop. And because we've become atomized, Adam criticized, atomized, yeah. uh, when suburban culture made us atomized, uh, we lost that sense of collectivism. So maybe we just need company towns would again, you, is what Would I'm you saying. be mad at Adam Curtis if you blamed video games for everything? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, you could definitely have an Adam Curtis... Video games definitely fit into Adam Curtis's theory. There was one part where he talks about Pokemon Go. Yeah, that was. And he yeah. talked about that was yeah. not that's scary. That's gonna be scary. Don't play the, Pokemon Go, everyone. It's a game designed to control you to buy stuff. Yes. And a lot but, of games. Uh, are I didn't know this that. about Pokemon Go. But the anecdote he tells about Pokemon Go in in can't get you out of my head is that. The data you, you you could be a business and pay more to have your your shop as like a hub as a save point in Pokemon Go right. and thus direct traffic there, oh without people knowing that they were being directed to certain stores. Hey guys, wow! All the Pokemon are at Subway again. <laughs> but to me, that's the only way that that's the only thing in the movie that tells me, oh, you actually can direct and control human behavior <laughs> yeah. with Pokemon Go. Yeah, I got me or thinking. You, there, there is, yeah, a universal, the, the attempt to create a universal incentive system where everyone, no matter what kind of personality or person they are, um, will comport with the system and be able to function in it. Yeah, dude. And will the, be incentivized to comport with the system. If the government comes out with a video game, do not install it. Okay. <laughs> they already did. It's called Call of Duty. Really? No. No. Well, be... no, the Call of Duty does receive a lot of U.S. Army money, for sure. They don't... The call, I really hope Call of Duty doesn't, like, give the Army all of the people who play Call of Duty's phone numbers for recruiting. Mm. <laughs> Just like, I bet that I bet they do. Yeah, they probably I do. I bet they do. They probably do. That'd be smart. Well, there was that incident with the U.S. Army's Twitch where, like, all the Zoomers came on and started saying, Hey, how many war crimes have you committed today? Yeah, well, that's because the, they're grooming people on Twitch for army life because they got to get them if this is a point that i was making to my dad which is that one reason why the 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 republicans don't want free college is because college is a major incentive for serving in the u.s military and if people get free college then you don't have what what incentive is there now for poor people. Also, like pretty much everyone comes out communist from college. Like you can go to like you could be uh, Jake at the most middle of the road, you know, uh, you know, Alabama, you mean, like Jake, reticulated Southern every State man? University. Like Jake, every- yeah, you're Jake, you're Jake, every man, okay. 
at Lower Reticulated Louisiana Southern State University. Okay. And even that guy is going to pick up the word proletariat, mm-hmm. you know. So. <laughs> Epistemology. Oh, shit. Yeah. Ontology. College tendency communist. You know, That's I, not true. I though. learned that stuff means things, and now I'm in advertising. So I can't explain yeah. it. <laughs> if anything, I, I would say most colleges are actually... Yeah, that's that's one of the crazy myths of that's one of the crazy shibboleths of the right wing, like saying that one academia is such an important institution that the the political ideology that controls it uh, it should be checked. And two, that that political ideology at the heart of Mm. academia is incontrovertibly left wing. That's something also that Adam Curtis doesn't noticeably stay away from, I think, is academia. I don't know if he's ever talked about it. Uh, Has he, he talked talks. about it as a con- as like a thing, a concept, a force? You know, I, force you know, I can't recall. I can't re- I'm sure I'm sure there's stuff uh I'm just think, about academia. thinking about Nixon in his uh in the Oval Office stream just being like the professors they're the enemy. The professors are the enemy. <laughs> Nixon and Nixon and Pol Pot would have gotten along famously. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. The baristas Frickin The baristas are after me. I there's there Nixon is so relatable. Yeah. He's just like this guy that had to he he's like if Frank Grimes became a president. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because he just had to fight for everything in his life. Like yeah. he was, he was just unlucky in every way. So it's even a miracle. It's a miracle that he became president at all, given how just genuinely unpleasant he was, and a testament to the actual hard work that he put in to overcoming yeah. all of his natural disadvantages. <laughs> he, um, yeah, he's um was a hard worker and smart guy. Very smart. Yeah, kind of like and, Bill Clinton. Uh, yeah, well, Bill Clinton even like even Bill Clinton feels like he just coasted along. He just had that natural ability to memorize everyone's names, and that you know, I think that Bill did Clinton him very well. was very smart. I think he was very smart. I think if he had been yeah. if he had been addicted to alcohol instead of cheeseburgers, it would have been a lot funnier. <laughs> well, he, him and Yeltsin would have been it would have been together. Yeah. Oh man, Yeltsin. Oh yeah. That's the other. That's the other uh, thing in Adam Curtis. One of the craziest stats. Is that post Glasnost Boris Yeltsin's uh, Russia, the 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 um, life expectancy for a Russian male went down from sixty eight to fifty three, or some crazy amount like that. Like the mm-hmm. life expectancy went way down. So the illusion that communism wasn't doing anything was actually false. Uh, yeah, was... I think it, I think what communism was doing was it was keeping the alcohol ethanol free. I think basically yes. is what that... Co- it, was, it was doing that at least, <laughs> which apparently the Russian version of capitalism, the post-communist kleptocracy capitalism, yeah. well, they didn't, was that, not able to do. That, I don't... I don't know. I guess... Can you fault Clinton for playing it that way? I don't know. What, 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 like, he was... Clinton was kind of just like, sure, Yeltsin's going to bring democracy. And then obviously it was, it was just oligarchs doing looting, but... Um, what could Clinton have done different? I don't, I don't blame, I blame Gorbachev. I blame Gorbachev for everything. He should have, diamond hands, Gorbachev, (laughs) should have never stopped, should have never stopped the rock. He never should have. Should have never stopped the rock. Yeah. You think uh, Putin's going to bring it back at the end? He's going to bring back communism? No. No. That would be bad. That's not, as Adam Curtis said, 
We had a, a young bureaucrat named Vladimir Putin. He believed in nothing. And he believed in nothing. He believed in nothing. <laughs> nothing. That, but that is nothing. So, so I, I frequently... A, a part about the Star Wars movies which makes them suck is the fact that the main villains don't really have a discernible motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, power. they just want to accumulate power, power for power's sake. Exactly. It's just that. Which is unconvincing. At least I would argue that. But then there's a guy like Vladimir Putin who is just that. Why do you do these things, Vladimir? Power. Want it? So Give he, me. So Give. Apparently Give power. He, he has built a like a billion dollar palace just revealed by Alexei Navalny, and Putin is just been like, oh no, that's not mine. He's just throwing it away. It's amazing. It's so bad. He's a boss. That's the boss. That's the bossest thing you can do is just throw it away. But uh, oh, he's like being caught stealing a billion dollar palace, and he's like, no, I I don't want it. It's not mine. I would love a Sopranos like series about Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Oh, there should. There's probably one in Russia that we don't get to see. Except he does not go to psychiatrist because he's for a weak man. <laughs> well, there's probably one that like kind of glorifies him in a weird way. It makes him gritty. I mean, they uh, have yeah. that. They have the. They, he got into like was it the Sons of Russia motorcycle club? Is that what they're called? Right. Yeah, that motorcycle club. The 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 gangsters that yeah. protect him and are his personal. They're guy. like a combination so cool. of like Viking the show Vikings and the show Sons of Anarchy combined to form a real life uh, f- like. Is it like a fascist theater troupe, basically? I think they're like a fascist theater troupe. And they ride around on motorcycles. A fascist and... theater troupe? You mean the Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago? No. The Step and Wolf. I don't know. They're, they're Mongols. The Steppenwolf Theater. Is Steppenwolf Mongolian? What? Because of the step. Because of the step? The step. The step? Never mind. What? S T E P P E. No, I know what you're talking about. I just hate it. <laughs> you hate it? <laughs> no, it's a good joke, and I stand by it. Was there? Wasn't there like a black sitcom called Step by Step? Mm. Or am I making that up? Was it black? I don't know. Can it you trust matter. any memories? I can't trust any. They were all implanted to me. Yeah. In, well, in me. I don't know what's a memory and what's a commercial these days. Like, I live in a fantasy world. Right. Yeah. And I loved... So he also talks about the Black Panthers and uh, Tupac Shakur's mother, Afeni Shakur, who was yeah, a badass cra- Black crazy Panther. crazy story. Yeah. Um, but he also has some interviews... For, uh, one interview with Tupac that I hadn't seen before where he's quite young and he's being very... He's like got a very similar, eerily similar... I guess Adam Curtis kind of planned it this way. I don't know. But he says, like, a lot of the same stuff that Adam Curtis has been saying, like, the entire documentary, and it's kind of a crazy moment because mm-hmm. you hear him say, we live in a fairyland after Adam Curtis has said it, like, 15 times. <laughs> You're kind of like, no. oh. Yeah, that's a cool moment. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think that's... It, to to very much simplify the thesis of Adam Curtis is we're we're in the fucking matrix, right? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, so whatever. The Matrix only has one good movie. Can we be in a different film? Can we be in a different thing? Well, the Matrix has the the, the last two movies are bad, mm-hmm. but 
they actually sort of they're, they're pretty relevant. Their messages are pretty relevant to this whole Adam Curtis thing, which is, and why they were unpopular too is because their messages are, are pretty much a downer. Like at the end of the Matrix Revolutions, the point is that even outside of the matrix is still the matrix it's matrices all the way down you know mm -hmm. uh you can't really escape but you can make the matrix better kind of but it's left ambiguous in the end and it's sort of similar to what adam curtis says or like these attempts of of this in past industrialized society in the 20th century the attempts to get out of this fantasy world uh, like with communism and once we got out of that fantasy world there was just more fantasy world mm -hmm. there wasn't any there wasn't any new reality or new paradigm there was just we burst forth through this membrane only to find out we were ensconced in the liquid of delusion <laughs> once no. again ew it's on me it's on me. It's liquid delusion. That, that would suck to be to be drowning in a pool of liquid delusion, or would yeah. it be good? I mean, it depends on what the delusion is. I think you'd convince yourself you weren't drowning, which would probably mm. contribute to the speed of yourself drowning. Yeah. Which I guess would be good. Like, depends on what you want. If you want to die, it would be good. Well, that's kind of why he goes into the psychological theories about um, multiple selves and how we build our conscious self. And he mm -hmm. says that it's like we're telling stories to ourselves to explain what is happening all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's an interesting thing. It kind of um, reminds me of a thought I was having earlier this summer. Uh, learning about this guy Julian Jaynes and it's, it's got a book about the breakdown of the bicameral mind and how mm. it's kind of like the process of, indi of individualism developing since the Bronze Age and it goes all the way back to the Bronze Age because you know we have artifacts from there sort of revealing how people thought about themselves sort of um, to try to figure out when it was that or if people thought about themselves differently and in the origins of the breakdown of the bicameral I think it's called the origins of something in the breakdown of the bicameral mind he talks about how when the bronze age collapsed the individualism probably like not in not quite individualism but how they thought about um their minds changed that people didn't think they had like a they weren't aware that they had a, a mind or a it was different mm -hmm. than a brain. Yeah. They kind of thought they're, like, sometimes emotions they thought came from, like, your stomach. They're like, yeah, the stomach is where, like, they would point to their, if they're like, I feel sad, they'd point to their stomach. <laughs> but, you know, they, they, they had a theory of mind similar to, um, more similar to, I imagine, how an animal thinks of themselves in that. An animal is not obsessed with its identity. An animal does not need a sense of self or a theory of self in order to exist. Yeah, there was no question at all who they were in the society. Yeah. I mean, they probably only had one name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they only needed one name sometimes. Yeah, but, you know, uh, the obsession with individuality is defining yourself against the universe as a separate entity against the universe. Um and I think, you know, that's where overapplied can lead to that sense of isolation and the idea that you're not uh, that you're not part of a collective. I, I also think that's the idea of like in the post left, the idea of toxic id poll, 
or the idea of idpol identity politics in general as the as a misapplication of toxic individualism mm-hmm. um and i think they overplay that because I, I think you know adam curtis too you know he says in interviews he's a fan he himself is an individualist yeah um, so, and, you know, you can't knock the concept of individualism as a broad concept. It's yeah. too broad of a concept to be like, it's bad outright. <laughs> it's, that's, it is kind of funny to try to do that though. Yeah. He does, he does kind of attempt to say that, you know, thinking of yourself as a separate entity, eh, kind of makes you a selfish bitch. Uh, yeah, I guess so. It's hard to consider the alternative, but I don't know. I mean, I guess so. He's not proposing that we all switch back to being like some kind of ant colony where we don't think of ourselves as individuals. Well, the alternative that he presents in the in Can't Get You Out of My Head is the reaction to the book The Gadfly. So this lady, I forget what her name was, something like Ethel Boone or something like that. Mm-hmm. But she writes, she, she was a, a communist rabble rouser and wrote this book The Gadfly, which turned out to be hugely influential in the development of Bolshevism and later uh, Maoism Mm -hmm. because people read this book and they became uh, they became enamored with the idea of giving up their own individuality to serve a collective purpose and that bringing pause uh, that that giving you you know a sense of uh, a sense of self not only a sense of self but an ability to surmount uh, the major social problems in front of you. And the issue with the gadfly is all the movements that surrounded the gadfly, you know, they failed. Maoism failed. Stalinism failed. And in its wake came these yeah. sort of piecemeal individualist philosophies. Every movement failed from Stalin to Jared from Subway. But so I, I think, you know, Adam Curtis doesn't suggest a solution really he doesn't have any answers as to so what is to be done about this paralysis he only tells you how we got here um but you know if i were to come up with something off the top of my head i think the idea that individuality and collectivism necessarily must always be in opposition to each other i think we could shift that idea i think Mm -hmm. there there needs to be room for uh, there needs to be room for identity politics in some sort of collectivist movement because people like their identities. They like defining themselves by it. That's it. It does form part of the tapestry of existence that we find enriching. So removing it entirely would be. We've seen what happens when we try and do that. People react badly to it, and it it results in people not wanting to be a part of your movement. Maybe we so. Can, you have to respect that. Maybe we can while invent- simultaneously. What? Maybe we can invent a new drug that that wipes people's identities. Hmm. Uh, maybe maybe it's like maybe what we do is create the identity free space where it's just like a web 1.0 thing where everyone is just a gray blob, I'm, and that's yeah. how we interact. He he. At one point, Adam Curtis states that he, he either he states or quotes someone stating that inevitably. The scientists will exert total control over all humanity. And I yeah. found that to be scary. I hope they don't. I hope the scientists... I don't think it'll be the scientists. Yeah. I think it'll be people using technology. Uh, but, you know, the people who... that The people... What scientists have real power? Elon Musk. 
to AI. Yeah, but he's the not Google, a scientist. He's Google, a hype man. The Google uh, deep mind people with their AI. But yeah, none, AI. Of, none of the guys that have power at those companies are scientists. They're all the hype the, men the, who are like able to marshal. This, the, the tech slash uh, military, like the military tech scientist people. Those guys. Maybe. Maybe. Jeff Skunk Baxter from Steely Dan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> skunk Works. That's where Skunk, skunk works, works gets its name. Really? I, I don't think no, so. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I don't think that's true. Man, it's cold um, outside. It was 20 today. The high was 20. The low was 7. How's it in Toronto? It reminds, it reminds me of that Christmas song, Baby, it's cold outside, so come in here and let me rape you. Oh, boy. Uh, it was unpopular. I'm going to just cut that part out. Part. <laughs> this is just another part of the war on Christmas. It's part, part of the war on part of the war on Christmas. Of the war on Christmas. They killed it. They uh, killed, first they killed the baby Jesus, and then they killed Christmas right after that. They're coming for all the holidays. <laughs> They're gonna. They're coming for Arbor Day. And First they came for Christmas, now, and I said nothing because it is that time. It's a very special Happy Valentine's from House of Decline to Adam Curtis, <laughs> not to any other but, listener. Just Happy Valentine's Day to Adam Curtis. But what House of Decline didn't understand, and they were convinced. They were absolutely convinced that their Valentine's message would be heard. <laughs> but it fell on deaf ears. Yeah. Oh man, A- Adam Curtis, you can name you can name drop us anytime you want in your documentary. Mm-hmm. If you need footage of this conversation, <coughs> you I can, we'll sell it to you. Um, yeah, we'll make our own <laughs> Apex Twins. We'll, we'll we'll become Apex Twins. Yeah, we retain the music rights for. Yeah, you know. we'll, we'll beat up Richard D. James. We'll 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 protect. We'll do a protection Aww. racket with Richard D. James. Richard D. James is living in Scotland right now, raising his children, occasionally releasing some money to. I uh, mean, some music <laughs> to make some money. Ah, uh, yes. Occas- occasionally releasing some money from his computer into his wallet, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Got, he's got all that big ambient money. You know, yeah. he's big ambient. Hey, uh, Richard, you don't J- want to fuck with big Richard ambient. Richard D. James is like, Bitcoin, I got my own digital money. It's, it's called bloops and blips. Yeah. James Coin. <laughs> just, it's just his face. Hey. I made a bunch of money. I'm Richard D. James. I got digital money. A bunch of nerds worship me. Yeah. Including Adam Curtis. But Richard D. I mean, Aphex Twin is the perfect music. For Adam Curtis's uh, movies, because it's uh, detached and referential and sort of uh, not quite right sounding, but also spooky. Yeah, spooky. Spooky ghost in the machine. It's the ghost in the machine. Oh no, I came into my modem. It's the ghost in the machine. You came in it? Yeah, I came, I came, it's, I came it's, it's the it. ghost. Yeah. I, I came into my modem, I boosted. oh no. I boosted. <laughs> I boosted, I was jagging off <laughs> next to my modem. <laughs> came in my modem. I boosted Deus in Ex it. Deus Ex Machina, Wait, you know. It, you boosted it or it's you boosted in it? I boosted in it. I boosted in you it, boosted I boosted in, in, it? in my... I boosted in it. I boosted in my modem, man. <laughs> man, I boosted in my modem. Okay. Yeah. It's sticky now. You're canceled. Now. I don't like it. It runs slow. Yeah. You know, I don't get as many kilobytes per second. <laughs> my fa- my favorite old person tech complaint is like the emails aren't coming out of the modem. It's like <laughs> I shook it. They're not coming out. 
<laughs> it's too much cum in your modem, man. Oh, it's a ghost in the machine. They see the problem is you came too much in your modem. That's <laughs> the tech guy. All of his, yeah. he diagnoses all Best tech problems. Tech so that's because you came too much in your modem. <laughs> I love the Best Buy tech guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fabrice, I don't think it's that. No, no, you don't understand. Fabrice. You came too much in your modem. Holmes, Holmes. Fabrice. You need to stop coming in your modem. It's oh. Fabrice. Oh, boy. Well, anything else going on? We talked about Adam Curtis for an hour. We talked about Adam Curtis for an hour and ten minutes. Because uh, they're long and they're dense. Yeah. And there's a lot to talk there's about. There's more and we didn't even get to. I oh, mean, like Ed, tons. Eddie Lomonov, we didn't get to him. Oh, yeah, Lomonov. Um, we didn't get to Michael X. That's Michael a X. crazy story. Poor, poor Michael X. That's That was sad. Yeah. Although I guess he did kill uh, a lady. He did kill a lady. Yeah, that was bad. That's not good. <laughs> and he was executed. Um, Sorry for the spoilers. Um, mm, mm, oh, well, yeah, it's late But there's the so many fucking crazy stories in Adam Curtis. Just watch it. And have uh, the history of the 20th century curated to you by a weird guy. Yeah, history and of the second And I love half. it. For f- I give it five out of five stars. Wow, I would give it nine out of ten stars. Nine, nine out, out of, ten out of ten, ten, ten stars. I give it top marks. I think it's. I think it, for me, it is perfect. It scratches this itch that I have constantly for more Curtis. Like after I watched Hypernormalization, which was also a five out of five for me. Yeah, that's more. I was like five out of five for me. Yeah, I was just give me more, and this is more, and it delivers. It delivers exactly what I want from an Adam Curtis thing, and I think he represents his thesis really well. Um, I think he presents uh, his even with all the propaganda, even with like the strident opinions uh, that aren't necessarily as factual as he makes them out to be. I, I think um, it's well worth your time mm-hmm. to watch watch it all mm-hmm. and take his opinion seriously. I mean, hypernormalization's got that crazy Gaddafi like stuff that yeah, no one agrees with that. So, mm-hmm. but no one agrees. No one, no one has like a unified theory really either. So, yeah. Uh. So do like Adam Curtis does and make your own theory of history. Mm-hmm. It's probably as good as any other historians. Yeah, well, read a lot of history. I'm doing that. I finished my book on the 16th century. I'm probably gonna do Howard Zinn. I'm gonna zin it up for the first time. You're gonna you're gonna read the people's I'm history. I'm gonna zin it up. I I mean, I've heard about it so much that why not? You know, millions of people have read it. I could be one of them. It's about uh, you're reading the. Uh, it was <laughs> Gerald Hawthorne. Uh, a 17th century farmer from uh, from the McGregor Basin in Boston came too many times in his modem, and his modem ran oh, slowly. I thought, it, is... I thought it was more like Columbus, like a Call of Duty gamer freak was unleashed upon the indigenous people of uh, North America. And then here he are their stories of resistance. And then it just goes through everything that happened, but from the people who um, were on the losing end of it in history so okay. every major thing that happened in history i never read it but everyone who kind of lost out in the deal in uh as regards to america so it's everything america did wrong the republicans i've heard good things it. about old zinn they hate it those republicans it's yeah. it's funny to, to to cite stuff from it to make the republicans angry it's good ammo mm-hmm. if you will 
Well, the fun thing about the great thing about people's history of the United States is all the primary sources. That's the like if if you disagree with Howard Stern's, I mean yeah. Howard Stern, Howard Zinn's premise. I I haven't read the book, but what I know is that it is an amazing piece of history gathering whether you agree with his politics or not. Howard Stern's The Penis History of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about cocks. Yeah. We're talking with cock historian yeah. David Cockowitz. David. Robin's laughing in the background. <laughs> his name is David Cockowitz. Yeah, she's just giving tacit approval to everything that's being said that's horrible. Hey, I love Robin. Yeah, She's the soul of Howard Stern. It's racist. <laughs> given my yeah. hardcore stern opinions what's the other thing that happened this week that i i care about is gina carano oh, no. getting fired gina carano impeached from the mandalorian she was impeached fired for truth yeah. uh, so what what did she say that the jews were behind something uh <laughs> the jews were behind 9-11 is that what she said no she didn't say no she said that being a conservative nowadays is like being a Jew in the Holocaust. Oh, so true, girl. It's very, oh my very God, true. so true. Um, and um, but it wasn't just for that. She had posted way worse stuff before, so it was just you know uh, an accumulating snowball of not Disney approved opinions. And now she's going to be in like a Ben Shapiro movie. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, she that was a quick. <laughs> rightward turn you just take a right turn every once in a while you take a right turn hard right now that the daily wire is doing movies we do have a shot at getting the true allegiance movie which i hope happens what's that because it's gonna be it's gonna rock what's the true allegiance movie oh true allegiance is ben shapiro's amazing book oh i didn't know he had an amazing book it's ben yeah it's ben shapiro's book where um I don't know the exact premise, but it involves there. There, lots of internet left people have read passages from it, mm. and it is a um, masterpiece. Clearly. It reveals a lot about Ben's pathologies, hmm. like his. He like he's always describing men in a very lusty manner <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> he was a six. He was a six foot two bear of a man. Oh God! You know? Wow, yeah, built sounds... like a something. Or he's he uses uh, metaphors uses many an erotic metaphor for the phallus. <laughs> no, he, he doesn't. Wow. Uh, yeah, why, we have to watch Gina it. Gina Carano. Might, might sue us. Oh, yeah, so you didn't tell me, is it cold in Toronto? Is it cold? It's cold. Oh. It's cold, guys, baby. What's the temperature? My nipples are erect. My, you could cut diamonds on these hmm. nipples. You could cut my wrists on these mine nipples. Could cut, it's so cold. Mine could cut yogurt, I think. I could split a split a nice dollop of yogurt on my nipple. It's hard, but not not harder. Nothing harder than yogurt. We'd do some nipple karate. Use your nipple to break a board in half. You know, yeah. Get your nipples real hard. Yep. Do some nipple karate. That's what they like. Do Adam in, Curtis said in jail. Yeah, in jail in China. They do nipple karate. I'm so bored. Muammar Gaddafi was convinced that nipple karate would lead to a pan-African unity. It's called the third But what he way. failed to understand <laughs> was that. <laughs> oh, my God. I I truly have nothing more to say except watch the fucking Adam Curtis movie if you're if you're depressed. Yeah, watch it. Um, take some um, take some drugs, man, and watch it. 
I would say. It's good yeah. for drugs. Being It makes you scared. It'll make you scared about um, everything is closing in on you. You know, uh, the walls are closing in. Yeah. That phrase is repeated ad nauseum. Um, no escape. The walls are closing mm-hmm. in. The yeah. walls are closing and in. And soon we're all going to be in a gulag with Dr. Jordan Peterson and the Dilbert guy. And that's going to suck. Yeah. That's going to frankly suck. <laughs> I will probably kill myself. If, because all yeah. they're talking about is, oh, no, Biden's going to put us in a gulag. If that's true, and I'm in a gulag with the fucking Dr. Peterson and the Dilbert guy, I will kill myself. <laughs> Dr. Peterson. Dr. Peterson. It's funny. I like calling him Dr. Peterson. Yeah. is funny. Like when they call Dr. Martin Luther right. King, Dr. King. Dude, you know? <laughs> calling Jordan Peterson. With the good Dr. Peterson. Calling Jordan Peterson doctor is, is the same as calling Jill Biden doctor. They did the same <laughs> amount of work. And I'm not kidding. Dr. Jill Biden? Yeah. That's how highly high in esteem I hold Dr. Peterson. Hmm. The thing is, doctor, when you're, unless you're like a medical doctor, he's not a medical. He's like a, he has like a BA in psychology. What does he have? A PhD in psychology? No, he, he is, he, he is, didn't, he is he didn't, a medical doctor. He's not a medical doctor. I don't think, no, I don't think he went he to med school. PhD in psychology. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he went to I med school. I say to that, I say push to that. Pish, pish posh. Yeah, that's not a real doctor. You're a doctor of letters, not of organs. No, he's a he's a doctor of nonsense. Yeah, and lies. And the only good doctors are the ones that stitch our meats back together. Exactly. It's it's on a house of decline. Transistor.fm. We yeah. endor- We are endorsed by surgeons. <laughs> because they're psychopaths, and so are we. Yeah, they like to butcher us, and we like it. We love being butchered like hogs. Yeah. No anesthesia, daddy. <laughs> oh, man. Army Hammer, come on the show. Butcher us like hogs. Army eat Hammer. Us. Eat us. Eat us, Army. Eat my ass, Army Hammer, literally. Yeah. That would be great. I would love uh, I would love a cannibal. A real cannibal <laughs> scare. Imagine if he, like, goes rogue and starts killing and eating people. <laughs> like, oh, no, we got a real Hannibal situation on our hand. Oh, no. <laughs> Army we, Hammer. We call him ha- I'd be afraid because call then his rich ass family would cover it up. Yeah, we call him Hammable. Do you think the New York Post has already gotten <coughs> Hammable? <laughs> John Ham's like, hey, it's not me. I can't do John Ham. <laughs> hey, John. Oh, it's John Hammable. It's not me. Hammable. It's it's not me. Hey. I can't do I can't do Ham. Peggy, go to my room and ring up a thousand bottles of Jack Danik. <laughs> <laughs> Peggy, go to my room and bring up the human penises. Did you see that thing that <laughs> da- David Lynch loved Mad, uh, Mad Men so much that he called um, John Hamm by his Mad Men character's name and he called uh, Peggy Peggy when he met them? <laughs> That's and cute. Re- I love David Lynch. refused to allow them to break character. Like Now Don! Yeah. <laughs> When you advertised the carousel to those men, were those tears real? Uh, that was just a role, Mr. Lynch. M- Mr. Lynch was my father. No, no, Call no. me Mr. Lynch. He'd be like, shut up, you idiot. I want to live in your universe. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, the designers they had back then. Yeah. Can't get a Bob Mackie for shit. Did you see that, that the guy that made the, knee, the Neve uh, mixer died? No. Yeah, he just died. He was like 97. Big That's new, not a tragedy. Big new, not a tragedy, but it's like notable because the Neve mixer is such a great mixer. 
Good mixer. Good, good uh, preamps on that sucker. Five out of five mixer. Yeah. Not unlike can't get you out of my head. Yeah, get 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 those five preamps. Can't get those preamps out of my head. Sounding so good. Mm-hmm. Sounded, <laughs> sounded so analog and tasty. Um, all your favorite records are probably mixed on them, for real. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, let's go through some of your favorite records. Um, probably. Okay. Uh, Blue Double My D. favorite records. Yep. Uh, the Blue. Playing with Fire okay. by Kevin Federline. Yep. Okay. What was the ninety-eight degrees? Um, the first Nick Lachey's first solo after ninety-eight degrees, of course. Um, yeah, it was called Nick Lachey's uh, Big Dick Follies. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Big Dick Follies. <laughs> Nick yeah, Nick Lachey's Big Dick Follies immediately <laughs> in a solo career. Yeah, that was a big one for me too. Love yeah. it. Um, Favorite record of all time. Yeah, it's um, Nick Lachey's Big Dick Follies. Yeah. Uh, let's not forget about Ashley Angel from O Town's record. Fuck me in my boy pussy. Oh, you know forehead. what's a really good album? Um, is now that's what I call music. Seventy-seven. That is a great <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, but just don't just steer away from the one called now. That's what I call music. Fourteen eighty-eight because that's just a bunch of Hitler songs. Yeah. Out of. That one is for a different market, like demographic. Um, <laughs> we're the Nazi pop fans. Yeah, they were really, really <laughs> clamoring. We play this at Faith Goldie rallies. Burn. She's done. She's not really a thing anymore. That's good. They usually burn out um, the right wing figures after a while. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, like only Shapiro. He's got real staying power. Crowder's got staying power. But yeah, you can't do like the full on Nazi trip for a while. You burn out when you go full Nazi. Never go full Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Spencer always... burned out. Um, that's good. I mean, yeah. Hopefully they'll all burn out. And, uh, yeah. Hopefully the Zoomers don't do any activism. What if they instead, you know, like you know, Nazism was revived this last decade? What if something weird gets revived? Like, oh yeah, the kids are really into Khmer Rouge now. <laughs> like all the all of these Khmer Rouge fans are cropping up, and they're killing all the academics. Yay! Yeah. Yay! And the world rejoices. I think that's what Jordan Peterson's worried about. He's serious. That's what he's worried about. He's like, they're gonna come after me. <laughs> they're gonna come after me because I don't like, I don't like them. Yeah, mm. that's why it's, he's constantly telling you to pick up your room. <laughs> oh, good times in the city. Adam Curtis, genius. Wow, you think he's a genius? He's getting the genius rating. Uh, no, I don't think he's actually a genius. I think it's just a hyperbolic way. But it's super fun. Yeah, they're fun. I never have a bad time. They're they're very easy to watch. Despite them being incredibly long, they just, like, breeze ahead. Yeah, Because he's great. such a compelling storyteller. Take it with a big grain of salt. Try to do some research. It's He has yeah. fun facts. Try to research it, though, because, like, especially the, the thing with hypernormalization, the Lockerbie bombing is not... There's a lot of problems with his explanation of the Lockerbie bombing. Which is uh, yeah, basically that Assad did it. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? It was Assad the whole time. Oh man, we didn't even talk about how the fucking I learned from this this documentary that the Discordianism guy was associated with Lee Harvey mm-hmm. Oswald, which mm-hmm. is insane to me. Just like an acquaintance from before who wrote and he wrote a book about him. Yeah, he, he wrote a book about it. He was the no, he was the main character. Yeah. He respected the hell out of Lee Harvey's resolve. And then lived in which, you know? lived in a place that he worked 
later. And then had just a series of eerie coincidences in his entire life that made him think that maybe he was a part of something bigger. And um, yeah. he was the one who made the Illuminati conspiracy theory come to prominence. But uh, whether or not the Illuminati is real, that's for another show. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll have are. another. Maybe they are. We'll have we'll have more conspiracy theories. We'll have our own. We'll have our own conspiracy theory show. It's fun to make your own up. I guess, I mean, that's why he did it. They were making their own up. I mean, Discordianism is kind of, I mean, he didn't get into what it's about. It's its kind of annoying. Like It's sort of like Ayn Rand, but with Camus. I mean, it's a little, it's a little bit adolescent. I stopped caring about it when I was like 25. It's like what? Yeah, it's a very it's a very early twenties thing to be in a very early twenties. Yeah, like I can read philosophy books now. I can read dense books now. What shall I get into? Oh, I'll get into this bullshit. Oh, this is bad. Yeah, it's like esoteric. It's like the genre, like as a genre. Yeah, hidden revealed it's knowledge. When, yeah, it's when you start taking Philip K. Dick way too seriously <laughs> and have ego death. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, you know, you extract yourself from it. It's like, it's okay. Not everyone's a robot. This isn't a simulation. I'm not doing too much uh, Adderall. Yeah. That was a good well, time, he didn't though. do Adderall. That was a great time. It's on so much Adderall. <laughs> living, in, uh, living in a dorm room. <laughs> Just going if Philip from... K. Dick had done Adderall instead of Speed, he would have been like... Uh, do androids uh, yeet of electric? <laughs> Do androids dream of electric yeet? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> the Philip okay. K. Dick, the Zoomer. The next, the, the next Philip K. Dick is definitely a Zoomer. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, and his name is James R. Cock. <laughs> <laughs> well. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day Happy from Valentine's House of Day. Decline. <laughs> <laughs>